before this episode of your favorite 1517 podcast begins. Please take a moment to listen to this trailer for 1517's newest academy on Faith and Reason featuring Dr. Adam Francisco. You can sign up for this academy after listening to the trailer by following the link in your show notes below. Enjoy. What role does philosophy play in theology? What can we know about God by looking at nature? Where does reason end and faith begin? And do science and religion necessarily conflict? These are just some of the questions posed by Christian thinkers across the ages. This course covers both the way these and many other questions have been debated across the centuries and how we might apply the wisdom of the past to the questions of our own day. The assumption is that Christians are irrational, that Christianity is something akin to a cleverly devised myth and even an enemy of science. Examples supporting these stereotypes and caricatures can certainly be found. That's not the complete picture, though. It's not even close. It's quite the contrary, for Christianity has long expressed itself in ways that are reasonable and even philosophically sophisticated. It has long defended itself by appeals to evidence, and certainly has a long history of interacting with science. In fact, modern science finds its roots in the Christian tradition. So what does reason have to do with faith? Philosophy with theology? Religion with science? The answer is a whole lot. This course introduces you to just some of these issues as it explores the contours of some of the most basic topics of Christian theology, the issues of faith and reason. Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my good friends, the Reverend, the Dr. Michael Berg, and the Reverend Professor working on the doctor part, working Jason in. Oakland. And we are back from a, uh, a very nice, I would say, Lutheran Colleges Conference. We're, we're never, um, well, Jason's always happy, but Mike and I are never like optimists, or uh, maybe not, we're not pessimists. We're never thrilled at the idea of having to drive six hours and stay somewhere and, and go to meetings. Is that fair to say, Michael? Yep. And on the way back, we said that wasn't so bad. No, that it wasn't. was uh, that was pretty good. It was good to get to see colleagues um, from the college in a different setting, and then as uh, to get to see those who are also laboring in the vineyard with us at Martin Luther College in Bethany as well. I have to say, for my first acquaintance with that, I I was very pleased. I I was expecting. You know, I, I was trying to be reasonable with my expectations, thinking that yeah, there's going to be some meeting challenge, meeting challenges type of things. But it, there, those were pretty few and far between. Yeah. It so. was a Jason type event, though. <laughs> you, know, you got yeah. to go. You stayed with family. Yeah, you had barbecue. There was pickleball. Yep. Um, the uh, you got to socialize. Yes. Um, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Right. You thrive in those. I even said to Mike on the way back, I said, did you see Jason talking to people? He was, I did. I, you were working it. I did talk to people, yeah. Yeah. So we enjoyed that, and we are now back in the podcast studio where we are getting ready for the semester. Mike, I believe I saw you were running syllabi. A truncated syllabi. Yeah, but uh, that means it's getting close. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more cars on campus. Something happening on the main floor. They were talking to a bunch of students. Maybe athletes are. I think mm-hmm. athletes are here now. Was it yesterday? That some of the athletes were coming back already. So, so, so we are uh, getting back in the swing of things. Uh, Let the bird fly as part of the fifteen seventeen podcasting network. I encourage you to go to fifteen seventeen dot org. Check out all the good stuff uh, that they are doing there. Uh, their new academy course, Faith and Reason, with Dr. Adam Francisco, should be very good. Um, that is up now, I believe, as well. And they've rebuilt the whole Academy website, uh, so you can check that out should you de- uh, so desire. I'm at Francisco is always good, and so I'm sure sure that he's uh, good in this as well. Can, uh, I, can I offer a, a quick oh man. observation of that? Sure. I was, I was listening to the um, Family Altar and Catechism one that, that you guys did down in Nebraska, and uh, as it 
came back on, it just immediately, before it got into that, it immediately went into, this was through yeah. the... Do you know how it does that, Jason? Well, I'm I'm just saying that we were talking about that should be coming up. It's up oh. now, and I was just saying that's exactly what happened. Oh, so. you mean it said it in the podcast? Like, so I, I was listening to it through the Oh, you Alexa went on the website. Device. Well, okay. And as, I, as it was bringing up the episode I asked for, all of a sudden it clicked into this um prom- uh, this be- before you get to your 1517 yeah, podcast I put that in there they send oh, us that okay. and then I put it in there well, Jason. I'm just I'm just saying it's up there and ready to go so can you believe this guy Michael I, look at what I'm working with Jason's <laughs> amazed something's in there I put in there Mike for the third episode in a row in the studio at least is is it the game again or what are you doing on <laughs> we got to take away his phone when <laughs> we are hitting new lows on the podcast would one of you guys like to let us know our topic? <laughs> nope, go ahead. Our, our topic for today will be eschatology. Oh, nice. Last things, uh, what it means, uh, what last things are. Uh, should we be apocalyptic? If we are apocalyptic, is that always bad? Um, what does it mean uh, to treat with end things in Christian theology? And maybe, just maybe, what does it mean to live... In the light of the end times, I think some people think of that and think of it as this frightening thing. Jesus is coming back. I'm paralyzed with fear. Uh, but that's not how Luther took it, and it's not how many Christians historically have taken it. In fact, in German, we talk about the last day as the... The youngest... The youngest day, yeah. It's the, it's the new day. I'm trying to remember exactly how they form that. that Christ will make yeah, all things the newest. new. Youngest. And so without further ado... Um, unless you guys have anything else you want to throw in. No, and I we, think I've thrown in enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make our way to the main topic. our way to the main topic uh, with no free-for-all for today, and we will be discussing once again eschatology, uh, the study of the last things. Um, one of my early favorite podcasts, um, one of the things I appreciate about them was that they would often talk about something that I think is a pretty cool concept as well, and so it was always kind of fun when they would bring it up. Um, and it's something that at least Mike and I have talked about before, but the idea of we live in the penultimate, right? Not the ultimate yet, but the penultimate, uh, penultimate the, the second to last. Um, if we're talking eschatology, Jason is our, uh, he's our resident dogmatician. <laughs> he yes. has inherited 401 and 402, so I feel that we... Uh, I- Although we can go to him with, I think any, any doctrinal yes. systematic question. Because I have not yet actually taught a single day of the mm-hmm. course yet, mm-hmm. but, but I've been. You've got it down, I'm sure. I'm sure, yes. From why don't you explain to us, Jason? What do we mean when we use that word? Or we can talk about ontology, soteriology, hymnology, biology, anthropology, Christology. Mike, you got one. He's back on his phone. Theology. Theology. <laughs> Jason, what do we mean by eschatology? Eschatology. So those ologies um, deal with the study of a, of a specific topic within the broader study of Christian doctrine. They often uh, get, get these subdivision labels to it. Uh, and, you know, it kind of comes from... It, it comes from the... The ology part comes from the Greek word logos, right, where you get words like logic, and, and that's the word that is used for, uh, that John in his gospel uses for Jesus before he takes on human flesh. Uh, so, so this idea of 
when you're talking about an ology, it's a study of something because you're kind of working through the the logic or the reasoning of this particular or order. Order yeah. would be another great yeah. The order would be another great wor- way to talk about that word for it. Um, and so when you talk about eschatology, um, the other part of that, the eschaton, is the the last things, uh, and that deals with basically the end of the end of the world, right? And the the end of this world as we know it. Uh, which covers a lot of different things, right? Um, it, it talks about when this could happen or what happens at that time, what happens to human beings at that time, what does it mean um, for Christ and his coming again. I mean, there are a whole bunch of things that, that fall under the umbrella of, of eschatology. And, you know, and that includes also you know, a number of the um, specific portions of Scripture where those things are, are talked about and discussed. So... Um, I don't know if you want more than that right at this point. No, I think that's helpful as as kind of a, an entry point here. So sure, um, we're kind of what's 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 going to be. Oh, Michael's dying. I'm going to go ahead and mute him. Don't die, Michael. <laughs> Good deal. We won't talk over you dying. Yeah. He, he's excuse me. Are you better now? He's still with us. Okay, you you looked panicked for a moment there. So all right, we're all alive still. All right. Good thing. So when we're talking about eschaton, it can the, the last or the end thing. Um, so this can encompass a lot. For my temporal life here, right, the end will be, in one sense, uh, physical death. So eschatology can talk about death and dying. Um, we will also have uh, judgment, and that judgment can be um, judgment when I die, right? I will stand before my maker. Or the final judgment, when Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. Uh, maybe if we can hit on just one more word, and then we can dive into the episode. We can also talk about something being apocalyptic, or having a, an apocalyptic view of things. Uh, this is a concept that comes out of Christianity, uh, especially, of um, right the end is coming. You will have uh, these... Uh, these pictures in the scripture of the apocalypse, perhaps, we sometimes debate what that means and what's going on. Um, for instance, Revelation, people will often make much more apocalyptic than it actually is, at least in some senses. John is talking about things that are going on at that time or have happened already in some sections where people will make that to be like Putin and, you know, helicopters. And, well, and, and I think... Um I, you're right. I think that that's exactly what happens. But I think some of that comes from, like, the way we often think of apocalyptic is really a transferred meaning, right? Um, because the the again, apoca- apocalypsis is a Greek word, right? It comes from comes from the the words primarily that John was using in the Book of Revelation, and and the original title there is the apocalypsis right. of Christ to Saint John, right? Um, which gets translated as the the revelation, right? Not the cataclysmic, world-shaking, you know, end of days battle type of picture that you know whatever you whatever you associate with that. But so so this, I think, the nature of that is this idea of a revelation. You're you're getting a a peek into something that you don't normally get to see. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know that like the some have used the picture of like uh, peeking behind the the curtain at a stage production, right? That you get to see some of the what's going on behind. Which makes the a scenes. lot of sense with part of what Ron, what part of what John is doing there. With, yeah. Yeah, but then I think that idea of this these catastrophic um, event type of things is a good chunk of that last book of the Bible, right? The yeah. the apocalypse of of Christ to St. John um, deals with some pretty scary pictures and, and, you know, big, big destructive events that are taking right. place. Yep. And, but also within that, right. I guess, and you're right. What I'm hitting at, some people try to read into every little thing mm-hmm. yes. and you'll get things that John's talking about what Christ has already accomplished or what's taking place in the Christian liturgy, for instance, 
and people will superimpose, like reading back into scripture, like an American action movie yeah. about, you know, the end of the world, which we, we love those. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a mix in there. And we definitely have this in the scriptures because we even have a class. I think it's still called this at WLC, Apocalyptic Literature. Is that? I think so. I think we just sometimes call it Revelation for short. but That's Ezekiel, Daniel, yeah. Yeah, um, which Paul used to teach. And so when we're talking apocalypse, the idea is the final things as well. And we live in an age which I would say has become increasingly apocalyptic. We, we're worried about the world ending in all sorts of ways. Is what's happening in Ukraine going to trigger the nuclear end? Is uh, climate change going to bring right the, the environmental end? Uh, there's, there's, think of all the things people say they're going to move to Canada for. Mm. Because yeah. this is the end of America or this is the, the end of the world. Is the inflation going to bring about the yeah you know, economic collapse? The bread being sold for well, exorbitant prices. Will right? the sun yeah. cause what is that? The electromagnetic. Oh yeah, you'll yeah. get the not pulse, but the you know that's going to shut down all our electronics. Yeah. Um, and and we're drawn to like TV shows and movies and stuff about that. Um, you know, uh, our campus read was Station Eleven, which is kind of this virus. That would be another one, right? The pandemic sure, yeah. and. This virus wipes stuff out, and they're living in this kind of like we w- sometimes hear people talk about as post-apocalyptic age. Um, what is it to be humanity without all the the things we consider part of life today? And I think often that apocalypticism is meant to lead people into one of two reactions, which is either frenzied panic or paralysis. Right, so either into we've got to do something now. This is the only thing in the world. Um, I am going to lose sight of my neighbor because what my neighbor's in the way of whatever, or uh, I'm just not going to be much good to anybody because what difference can I make? So I'm just going to watch Netflix <laughs> and roll coal and you know whatever else. In the meanwhile, and for the Christian navigating that, of course, if there are, I don't want. I don't want a nuclear apocalypse. That'd be bad. That would be bad. I'm glad COVID didn't get worse than it did. I don't want economic collapse. Like, I, I have a fair amount of debt as it is. Yeah. Not um, good. Yeah, that would be bad. Um, I am concerned with, uh, with the climate. I'm not a big fan of extreme weather. Now, why all this is happening and to what degree uh, people above our pay grade Right or outside our discipline, probably maybe have a little bit better understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these things um, really can shape the culture, um, the political discourse, um, the economic approach people take. But I, dare I say, um, religion in very real ways too. And and one of the things that's interesting to study to me is to look at um, religious movements in times of instability or uncertainty. That's why I like looking at late antiquity, for instance. And uh, you'll see certain impulses that will sometimes pop up within that. What I'd like us to, to maybe, though, get at today, and the reason I, I threw this out is I think it, it fits kind of something each of us is, is doing. Um, Jason this summer has been doing a lot for Concordia St. Louis. I had a paper on um, Bugenhagen and Law Gospel and right how to balance these things out. Um, and I think sometimes law gospel we can almost speak of as penultimate and ultimate. Sure. Right? The gospel is always the final word. Yep. I might reject it, but it's always the ultimate word. I think, Michael, with uh, vocation and baptismal things, um, but also with worship, with liturgy, and the liturgy kind of grounds us with this, right? The liturgy goes through time um, and kind of vocation in the midst of these things. I think this can be... This can be helpful. And so we've talked about what do we mean by eschatology. Can I, can I add a few things? Yep, just go ahead. So yep. the, the apocalypse, right, means kind of an unveiling or peeking behind the, the, the veil. And then we have uh, the idea that this is looking at what is to come, but revelation and one mista- mistake people often make is to think of it as only as something to come and not a revealing of what actually is happening right now. 
right? And so that's one reason, one of a few reasons why people will will look to Revelation only as a future thing to predict what is going to happen, whether it be the last day or judgment or, or whatever. Uh, not just specifically what will happen, but when it will happen. And so we got to be careful with the penultimate and ultimate. While there's a there's a good reason to put this on a timeline, right? I'm not in heaven yet, right? I'm living in the penultimate. There's a, there's a timeline aspect to it. But we also remember that we are in the already but the not yet, a yeah. phrase we use a lot. And so the kingdom's already here. It's already yours. And the gospel is ultimate even yeah. as it breaks in yeah. now, not to get all, yeah. like, Boltman-ish, but, yeah. yeah. And hmm. so I, I think when when... When Jesus ascends into heaven and sends his spirit, that's generally after. That's generally when we say, "Okay, now we're in the end times," because these things have happened, right? Yeah. But when when Jesus was walking around, the kingdom was near at hand as well, and and an ulti- the kingdom was always near at hand where the gospel is. So what we're saying when we think about the the last time the last days there is a timeline thing from Jesus sending of the Spirit ascension the sending of the Spirit to when He returns is a timeline thing here but there's also a reality of what we're talking about so and I think that's why when we say eschatology the study of end times we don't just mean heaven hell the last judgment but the times we're living in right now sometimes you could you could put the church into uh, two kingdoms into that, into the study of eschatology. And I think that's helpful, even though we don't always divide it up that way, that that's helpful because we'll very often say that Paul was eschatological in his teaching or Luther was very eschatological and we should be eschatological. What we mean by that is, A, we're talking about things post-Jesus Christ, life, death, resurrection, but we're also talking about the reality of where we are in. And we're also talking about how our theology is speaking about the new kingdom we are already in, but also the kingdom of justice that is going to come in its fullness, if we can rightly say that. So we have a, we have a phrase, and you know, people use this a lot, that all theology is Christology, and that's very, very helpful. Right? This is how you know God through the Son. It's, it's Christological. There's a reason why the second article of the Creed is much longer than the first and the third. But you could also make a case that all theology is eschatological in the sense that it's moving towards mm-hmm. this kingdom, this kingdom of justice. So <clears throat> um, when we say that we're being eschatological, we're not saying... Let's figure out what the, we're always figuring out when the, when the last day is going to come and whatever. But we're looking forward to that, and we realize that in some respect we're already there, right? Uh, th- that there's a, there's a goal here. There is a telos, an end. There is an unveiling for a purpose, and that purpose is the new kingdom of justice and of love that we already have and yet do not yet have. Yeah? And, and maybe yeah. here, if we can connect us to the church here, and I'll let you guys talk more about this, but we used to have in um, in the, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and have this prepped because I just realized I'm going to say something. So inside baseball, <laughs> we used to have in the, uh, in the red hymnal, Christian worship, right? Uh, the end times season of the, uh, of the church year. And then we would go into Advent, which is meant to be the, End times season of the the church year. Uh, I you know I don't think you should play that because it really was originally a Presbyterian thing I believe. We oh. just copied it. Well, I said red hymnal. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, the red so, hymnal. So um, that counts. So we had this, uh, and it's kind of nice to have the advent and the and and the end of the church year as a unit concept that <laughs> goes together. Yeah. No. Okay. So no? we've moved away from that, which I think has been a, a good thing. <laughs> We also, though, have had with Advent where the, the normal color in, I think, Christianity until the Roman Catholics played with it. You have to correct me on that, Michael, but in Lutheranism was purple to connect it to. The dominant one was purple. To connect it to Lent, penitential season. Um, but we now have blue. And I, 
I think the blue looks sharp. I'm not against it. And the blue, I think, a teaching thing. Why right? we look to the skies for Christ to come as He's ascended. Mary, Mary, in color too. Right. That also. <laughs> um, but the uh, the Advent season of the church here, right, is eschatological, um, and it's not eschatological in a way. The the purple, the repentance fits, mm-hmm. right. But the blue also fits, right? We pray this weird prayer. If we're so terrified, why would we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come? And I think that connects the liturgy and how Christians view the end times, but also connects it maybe, dare I say, with vocation, that we don't say, come, Lord Jesus, come, now go home and just sit and wait and pray. Um, anything that in that connection yeah, I- with the how the liturgy ties yeah. this together. I, I like to think about Advent as repentant antici- anticipation, right? There's an anticipation th- idea there. That, that's there in Lent, too, right, right. Uh, of, of the, 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 the resurrection of the new kingdom. But what's more in view in Advent is as we wait for Christ's return, we put ourselves in the sandals of the ancient Israelites. and We're in the same place because we are also anticipating his return. And so the Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, is a broad idea. We're not doing very well down here. Uh, we need you to come. And, and the answer is going to be a fleshy Christ, first as a baby boy, but then also in judgment on the last day. And, th- and there is an end times feel to the end of the church year. Um, you, you have at, at uh, the last Sunday of the church year, the certain hymns in, in, in the northern hemisphere, this is harvest time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and but the, then the you days have, are shorter. Yep, and yep. you do have things, yeah, there's light darkness there too. Um, there, there are things though that, that by accident happened, like you have All Saints Day, right? Um, commemoration of the faithful departed, looking forward to heaven. And then Reformation, which is a church year sort of, uh, a church history sort of day, um, is uh, fits in that, Naturally, even though it was by accident, you know, it's a happenstance that it would be there. Um, uh, uh, these these church militant type ideas, yep. um, and you know, Christ the King, which was actually a Roman Catholic reaction to the Reformation, uh, the the success of the Reformation Sunday. So I'm kind of glad that we Christ the King has gone away a little bit. Um, but even if you take that with some charity, Christ ruling all things, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there, it's already built in there. You didn't have to have these four Sundays like we did, um, which which I, I think were, were fine but a little awkward at, at times and took emphasis off of, well, having Reformation in the last Sunday in October was a little bit better than right. a movable feast. And, you know, All Saints Day is a good thing. We should do that, right? Um, and so, and then having a Sunday just on Last Judgment Sunday. Uh, well, the Saints' Triumphant Sunday was a little passive-aggressive against All Saints. And Last Judgment Sunday, you know, probably it, it's already there. We don't need to have the, the Sunday just called Last Judgment. It seemed a little... A little <laughs> yeah, it, it may uh, be... Um, a like, it, like the visitor comes and you're like... Yeah. Oh crap! We, well, I got there just in time. Yeah, we, we had uh, one time where, and I don't, you know, I don't know that this happened once. I believe that someone putting together the the school singing schedule scheduled the the preschool, which has a lot of you know visitor, visitor type yeah. of family families to sing on uh, Last Judgment Sunday, and they're like, um, this was a bad move. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do that again. Well, and, and so. maybe, and I'll throw to you first, Jason. But I'd be interested in both of your thoughts on can this. I, can I just add one? Yep, go ahead. One thought to the just kind of some of the the symbolism there. I think you know that idea of anticipatory, the the anticipatory nature. I think that's you know that that the shift in the color from purple to blue. I mean, I think they that idea of looking to the skies and anticipating. And I think that the what they say is the focus is more than on hope, right? That which which ties in with the with the anticipation without leaving the repentant nature of it behind and connected to that um so it it gets hard to me when i see advent done really well uh it gets really hard to distinguish the advents 
right? Christ uh, has right. come. Christ is coming. Christ will come again. They really get wrapped, especially, right, you've got the means of grace in mm-hmm. the midst of the divine service. Um, you're proclaiming Christ crucified and risen. And these three Advents, they really start to run together, and the really good Advent hymnody does that. It does it. It's not. Um, it doesn't have amnesia. It doesn't forget what's come before. Even, even some of the the, the ones that have titles that sound kind of scary. They're rooted. They're they're grounded, um, so that the the three Advents are are never divorced. Um, and, and again, Advent just means coming or arrival. So that right, the the first Christ comes. He's born. He dies. He rises. The second, he comes in means of grace, which we as Lutherans think are tied to these actual promises of God that in these places he is present there. He will come on the on the last day. Um, maybe just anything that stands out to you guys with that liturgically, whether it be just the sense of time and season, but also maybe things for Christ. What does that tell us about the Christian life that the church has chosen to do this, and that the scriptures do it too, because it's the scripture lessons that are shaping. The, I mean, yeah. we start with Palm Sunday, right. the, the Palm the Sunday blur- Gospel. I, I think the blurring of those ideas, while while keeping them distinct, because these are things that happened in history and time. Mm-hmm. This is not some just mystical yep. whatever. Um, that that's exactly what we mean by being eschatological, right? So, uh, Christ. Christ coming to save me um, is is yes a one time action that does not need to be repeated, but here I am and he <coughs> continues to come to me to save me right through specific tangible sort of things, and that ushers a new kingdom that is guaranteed. And here here's maybe a point to hit on: the already but the not yet is not a cute little thing to say. Okay, uh, it's 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 here, but uh, it's not quite here yet. Um, it is to say that it is guaranteed to you as a baptized child of God. It's your legal right to be an an heir to the kingdom. And one way to think about it is, you know, you, you are the kid of a rich family and you have the inheritance, but, but your, your, your parents have, have put you on a, um, an allowance, right? There's a, <laughs> you don't get the yeah. fullness of that, right? There, it's in a trust fund kind of thing, right? And I, I think that's that can go in a bad way, but you can understand that from a being adopted into the family of God. So, you know, you ask the question liturgically how this gets played out. I think it gets played out that many of the songs we still sing, well, almost all of the songs we still sing in the liturgy came straight from the Bible, and many of them are sung in heaven, holy, 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 worthy is the lamb, alleluia, uh, those, those things. I, I think it's good, it's a helpful idea to... Gloria, the glory in itself, yeah. I mean, which is yeah, kind of sure, an interesting yeah. Yeah. connection between, right? Yeah. right? These are the songs of, of heaven, and that fits perfectly with the already, the not yet, the blurring of these lines, but keeping them distinct. And uh, our sacramental and in- incarnational understanding of the church and the liturgy and, and, and reality that when I sing holy, 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 this is choir practice for when I'm going to sing. And notice that when, when we hear that in Isaiah, we hear it in the Psalms, Isaiah, and in Revelation, we hear it in Isaiah, the angels in, in, in this vision, um, it's at that moment where an angel is bringing a live coal to touch the lips of Isaiah. And he says, but, but I am a, uh, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And uh, instead of getting blown away, as he should, when heaven literally touches him, he is made righteous and uh, a speaker of God, prophet of God. Well, that's exactly what happens in Holy Communion, that the heavenly body and blood of Christ touches me, a man of unclean lips, living among people of unclean lips, and should blow me away because I'm not worthy of the table. But the whole point is that God makes me worthy of that table, and then I eat of that table here on earth. In, right? the, in the very presence of in God. In the very presence of God. So th- there... And, and at that table, 
in the the good old, as we've been told, the Scandinavian, you know, mm-hmm. thought of on the other side of this rounded chancel, I'm participating with the whole communion right. of saints, right? Those who have gone before me, those who will come after me, the, the, the culmination of the church. Yeah. So when, when, I think it's helpful to then, there's many different ways you can look at Revelation. Um, that, you know, there's so many wrinkles there. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not saying that you can just take it any way you want. But There's probably not a lot of Putin in it, though. No, but mm-hmm. there, there is an idea here that when John peeks behind the curtain, he is seeing the worship of heaven. And he's not, and he's not seeing something that's, I think the danger is, you ask a congregation, what should we do a Bible study on? Almost everybody says Revelation. You know, um, the campus pastors here joke about when they ask for Bible study ideas, you'll get Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, you get whole movie series and book series in America now that you have thought of the rapture, which, you know, like no one thought of until like some pastors got together. At, what, what was it, Niagara Falls or something? And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and it's like, okay, now there's the rapture. Um, but they can, uh, Christ can really easily get lost in these views of revelation that are now looking to like peer in John's already, as we've said with pulling back the veil, he's revealing things to us, but now they're like, we're going to find the secret stuff in the secret stuff. When what, what John is doing in revelation, revelation's all about Christ, right? He's just, you look at all of these images and in, in Christ is the center of them. He is the doer. And it's a, a comfort to this church uh, that believed in the Christ who had been recently crucified and had risen, who was holding to the means of grace in the, in the midst of suffering, and that was eagerly looking for Christ to come again. There, that, that book is, um, is nothing without, without Christ Jesus. Let, let me finish my thought on, on that. Just Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Done, yeah. um, that if this is a peer in looking into worship and we are told that it's Sunday when he has this, when he's put right, in this trance, yeah. right? Um, and you hear these songs, you see the fellowship, you see the gathering, you see the idea of eating, um, which I think is a nice bookend with, with Genesis, where when, when Adam and Eve worship, uh, they really do, do just a handful of things. They're coming into the presence of God, they listen, they trust, or at least they're supposed to, take me at my word, this is not your business, don't eat from there, and they eat, right? And so worship is finally trust, but it's also coming into the presence of God and getting good gifts from him. So the eating and hearing aspect, which is from Genesis 1, is all the way up into, into Revelation, um, and, uh, but added to it is the picture of the land. I mean, it's, it's liturgical in the sense that there's symbolism. Tree, river. Tree, river, lamb, mm-hmm. altar, table, um, all of these things. And so to see it from the viewpoint of worship can be helpful because what is worship nothing more than coming into the presence of God, trusting, getting good things from him, but then also hearing what he has done and what he is doing, Right. And so there's these this there's this great there's this this great um, battle going on, right? Yeah. Um, uh, between between heaven and hell, so to speak. Um, but 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 God's people are, are here, and, and and then when the the people come up from the great tribulation, yes, it's a picture of going from this world to the next world. But it's also uh, a picture of people coming into the kingdom right now. Yep. Yeah. Right. These are these are people who are being baptized and confirmed right now. That's a, that's a picture of it. So, uh, and, and John's drawing on images from elsewhere in the scripture, yeah, right, yeah. to tie that to... And tying doing. Old Testament and New Testament yeah. together, which New Testament worship takes pains to do, mm-hmm. right? That this, is, this really came from the Jewish synagogue um, uh, service. Uh, there's fulfillment. Uh, you know, more recently, making sure we have an Old Testament text. Alleluia. Uh, the, these, these these words are, are, are Hebrew. Hallelujah, holy, holy, holy. Uh, Kyrie Eleison is Greek, but it, it's coming from the from from from, from the Hebrew yeah. uh, idea. Um, and then there's the added. You know, now we we give this Messiah a name because he has now been named Jesus because he took on flesh. But Christ doesn't 
the, the Greek word Christ is just the Old Testament Messiah, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I think you don't want to go too far, but to, to see it through the lens of worship, I think is, can be helpful. Yeah. And I, oh, go ahead, Jason. <laughs> I was just going to, with that whole cycle of one year giving way to the next and the like, I think, you know, with that idea of recognizing the kind of the there is this cyclical nature to life in this world right where and how important it is to be reminded of these things too from time to time and having um that kind of move you know between those comings of jesus um and yet always kind of with an eye on the goal and i think that that's maybe you know one other element with that with the the worship side of things as far as like church year and looking ahead, that idea of recognizing the need for that, for those ongoing reminders and, and seeing, you know, how this comes back and plays plays over and over again through our own lives and through the history of this world, yet always with an eye on on the goal that's waiting. Yeah. I, I think um, something that is a poor quality that I have is to that I can almost make any little thing bigger than what it is, right? <laughs> um, when Michael and I were driving back from the conference, Jason did not drive with us. He was too good to drive with us or, or stay yeah. in our well, hotel. You didn't you didn't want to take a little extra time on either end that uh, right, that true. I was uh, needing to wanting to do. But so. as we were driving back, I joked with Mike. I said, "So what's going to be broke?" When we get back, because we've had a lot of car repairs, house things, whatever. And then I get home, and literally, um, it doesn't take but a few hours, and I get a text, the garage door won't close. Mm-hmm. So my garage doors. And, <laughs> like, I'm making that called worker money, so I'm not poor. But, you know, it's like, okay, this adds up. And I'm like, oh, man, now we're just broke. <laughs> and the garage door becomes this huge thing. Yeah. Well, if we can extrapolate that out. To Christians, um, Christians can sometimes make uh, make things that maybe they're not they're not small, but they're not nearly so big. Right? And, and hum- humans, right? This, yeah. And uh, we see this sometimes too. I know they're kept, and, and God bless those who actually have to deal with laws and the challenges of, of running big institutions. Um, but sometimes Christians in general can seem to almost be looking for persecution, you know, or we we make it sound like, man, we're just, you know, if we sat down with the Christians under Diocletian, we'd have so much to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we can make things bigger. Uh, and maybe that, I'm going to throw it to you, Jason, uh-huh. law, gospel, and penultimate, ultimate. In many ways, I think what the law does, and the law is penultimate, it's never the final word, is it destroys our idols, it pops the balloons that we've made bigger than what, it says, wait, it's your garage door, trust God. Bro, look at everything you, ha- look how fat you are, <laughs> right? Um, it's just a garage door. But it can do that with the, the church as a whole, too, when we sometimes get too caught up in the here and now. Um, I'll throw to you, do you agree with that? Kind of in a sense of the gospel as the ultimate, the final word tying in, but that, that maybe when we talk eschatology, that that penultimate, ultimate, is a nice way to destroy our idols, and maybe also, I don't know if you've ever found where Luther says this, I never have, but we've both been, and we'll be again, maybe, well, not in this place, but we'll be in Germany, 11-day Germany tour. Yeah. Experience the cradle of the Reformation, May uh, 2024, go to com. Germany trip right. 2024, but... um. <laughs> But you go to, what is it? It's Eisleben, right? Where it has, Luther is asked what he would do if he knew the world was ending tomorrow. And he says, I'd plant a tree. And they have that on, there's a tree there. And in scripture, I've never been able to find yeah. where he actually says that. I don't think yeah. he, he does, but yeah. But, we, but I like it, yeah. but. right? And so if he, um, that idea, which is very true, and it's the youngest day, maybe if we tie that with law, gospel, penultimate, ultimate, I'm, I'm going to throw it to Jason and then Jason and Mike, and I'm, I'm just curious your guys' reaction on that. I think that I think that is a good thing, and I think that, you know, you maybe see that just kind of thinking about some of these eschatological things. I mean, and, yeah, you know, uh, you're saying if we go and, you know, talk to the 
Christians under Diocletian who were, you know, right. having to give up life, limb, property, or Mike you know, freedom. Was doing that. through um, Maros with the subsistence farmers, and you said you were talking to them about vocation, and they said, "Oh, you know, this really hits," and how we sometimes can take for granted, right? These things that that make a lot more sense in that context. But we're pampered, yes. Sorry, go yeah, on. I'll, I'll be quite unmuting myself. <laughs> and, you know, just that idea of, you know, you think that, you know, the hurt feelings that you have over someone's comment to your Facebook post or whatever, uh, maybe doesn't quite compare with uh, some of the Someone things. Someone calls something you love a cubicle. <laughs> could be something like that. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it just gets blown up big. And I think that... Um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a natural reaction, I think, for, for us as human beings to, you know, um, feel those slights, whether they're, you know, or those injuries, whether they're substantial or not, and to, and to take them to heart and, and to be hurt by them. But, but, uh, that, that's not really what it's about um and i think it's kind of interesting too like just thinking about the the revelation discussion that you know we've kind of hit on a few different things there you know like talking about the the forces of good and evil so to speak right and building toward this big battle and and uh you know it all the forces arrayed against christ and the church and you know the dragon and the beasts and all these things and they're you know, um, lining up and it's going to be this huge battle. And just when, just when it's time to, you know, the, the lines to advance against each other and battle to be joined, what, what happens, it's victory. It's victory for Christ, the, the white rider who's victorious. And, and I think that's kind of along that, that, that in and of itself, on the one hand is a beautiful picture of gospel, but it's, but it's also an indictment of, our focus on self, right? You know, that, that this is about me and this is, and this is something that I have to do. And, and this is something that, and, and, and it's so tempting for us in all of those different areas of life when, you know, this is about me and, the, and, and I have to do something. And, and yet, uh, the lesson from revelation there is, um, no, this is really about Jesus, right? And, and how how is victory assured? How is uh, how is it that you find yourself on the winning side? It's not through yourself. It's not through your own efforts or, or who you are, but it's ultimately through Jesus. And 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 yeah. And sometimes sometimes that comes through proclamation of the law. Sometimes that comes with the realities of living in a uh, fallen world, um, making it evident that yeah, I'm I'm not enough. Um, for that, and if I'm if I'm going to try to stand on my own or fight this battle on my own, uh, I won't be enough. Um, but thankfully, that, as you mentioned, that's not the last word. That's not the final word. It is uh, the word of the gospel that um, relieves us from that, that rescues us from that, and um, I think we see that in the worship component that components that we've been talking about as well as in revelation and what a what a wonderful thing well i'd add part of the reason why we we make things bigger than they they actually are one of them is our lack of perspective right, right? and which is god is trying to give us especially in revelation like there's a there's a broader thing going on here um but it's also because we're creating the image of god and we innately know we're we're important and uh like we've said many times if 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 we're people of drama, and if you don't have real drama in your life, you'll make it up, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, there's something fascinating about that and even and even endearing about that, despite uh, all of the nonsense that comes from that, right? And to add a modern perspective that, that very much considers itself the epitome of all humanity, um, we need to have this importance, and so it's so important to understand history, and Revelation, as you said, doesn't have amnesia, right? It is drawing upon these things. and It's good for us to, to remember, instead of always looking forward and look at Revelation and all of Scripture as looking forward only to this end thing, we're eschatological in a true sense. Well, yes, we understand there's progress, there's history, there's a timeline. Uh, it's not just mythical. 
but at the same time, the reality is already here, right? And that's that's the most comforting thing that it's already guaranteed to us, and and uh, final touch to baptism, right? That is a baptismal life for you. And if if I can maybe throw out one last thought with that too. At some point, if you guys want, you can say, why has it taken so long? But someone might ask that. Why has it taken so long for Jesus to come again? But um, but maybe if we can just make a, a final cross-glory distinction, too. Because I think uh, America has, like, American Christians have looked at the end times in a, a very American way. And you can have, like, this triumphalism that comes in, and so the rapture is going to happen, and... And the Christians will get their reign, and now we get to show everyone else, right? We were right. Or just the fact that America is the shining city on the hill, like this is a culmination of... Like, yeah. Right. And, and, and every age of the church has had its own triumphalism or theology of glory. I don't mean to downplay that, but you look at in the early church, it was kind of like, you know, you'll have John the Baptist holding his head on the platter like he lost his head to gain a crown. That's a little bit different than like what we sometimes see and how the end times is treated in, in, in our own day. There's a political thing here now, right? That, right? that this is going to be carried out in a utopia on earth, and it's going to take a political form. Right, and so it's not just that, you know, me holding out hope that the, the Lions will win a Super Bowl and finally we'll have our trophy, but also part of that is that, like, it'll maybe shut up Packer fans, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that would be part of... of the fun. Um, but it, maybe, how do we, do you guys see a cross or glory dynamic in play when we're talking about the end times and apocalypticism? There's a place for glory talk. I, I held the hand of, of many a dying person as they were going to heaven and spoke of glory. Right? Yeah, I think we may think of glory as in two ways. One is only through the lens of victory and only through the lens of no pain. Well, that that's true, but if we see it through our non-cross glasses, that is, not seeing things through the lens of the cross, then heaven becomes this idea of, well, there's no pain, as if we're just kind of numb, right? As if we were not aware of Christ and what he did, right? And, uh, uh, you know, concept we should talk more about in, in, in a correct way is justice, right? Like, it's not like your things are just erased from our memory, but somehow there's this beautiful reconciliation between, uh, between Paul and Stephen. And you got to think about that. Like, what the heck, dude? Yeah. Right? You were part of my, like, very violent death. Yeah. Really, bro? Yeah, what's up? You know, like... Could right? have, you could, you see this bruise right here? Yeah, it's not like... Because now my scars are trophy and heavy. You like, right? see this bruise? That was because that was of you. Uh, you see this right. one here? Somehow, somehow it's, it's reconciled. <laughs> reconciled. And I, I think that that cross-glory thing is just... It's so much... De- you cannot quite understand it. Right? And, yeah. like, we will minister to people and say, okay, you got cancer, that's really terrible, but you get to go to heaven. Now, we can understand that we can understand that even though it's very hard for someone to go through that, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, rationality can, not always, but can overcome that and say, uh, okay, I could see that. Yeah, it's so much different if you if you say to somebody who's been sexually abused that it's going to be okay. I and you have to say, I don't know, I don't know how, I right. do not know how. Right. It's um, it sounds but it trite and flippant. Yeah. But it's precisely because it's grounded in the Christ has come, Cross. Christ is coming, that it's grounded in that, that we can speak it as objective truth. If it were detached from that, it sounds, it's just fairy tale. And that's why we yeah. have to keep telling people the cross was not just an efficient way to kill somebody. It was not just propaganda. It wasn't even an efficient way to kill somebody. You know, yeah. or it's, it was a, it was a, and it was not even just humiliating, it was to make somebody subhuman and, cur- and the word curse we don't really get either. To be a curse, I'm not try- sure we'll ever understand that. Right. That that's God saying, "This is not right," and I am I am acknowledging that this is not right. I'm acknowledging that this is not something you just you just pay reparations to, for or that you 
you uh, you know you, you make something politically a correct apology, or whatever, a yeah. public apology. This is something that is so much deeper, right? So offensive, and um, you can't really see heaven without seeing it through the lens of the cross, and that's one way. Yeah, yeah. I there is a in the congregation I serve there. There's they had stained glass windows. Like they were a series of three, you know, around the around the sanctuary, and they had one that was the the Christian Life window, which was always my my favorite, um, where it had the the first panel was the the ship on stormy seas, and of course the mast was the cross and the key row, uh, and then the the middle panel. So that was Christian Life in this world. Then the middle panel was a butterfly with all sorts of different colors, the resurrection, and then the crown. And I think that idea of the talk of glory, um, yeah, there is a place for that, but I think it's it's in that now, then, already, not not yet context, right? You know, that um, to say, especially for, you know, those who, those who are looking at the then becoming now pretty quickly, uh, that I think is exactly the place, you know, where, where that language becomes very real. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm sure you've had some of those experiences too where, you know, you're meeting with somebody, you're talking with someone, and my associate along the way had, had mentioned uh, this interaction where, you know, a guy had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer and you know he's in the hospital yet and he he went in and said well pastor looks like a win-win situation for me and that isn't just gallows humor you know that isn't just um trying to laugh something off i mean that's recognizing that cross crown um eschatological truths that that we that we're talking about here yeah i had a I had a member uh frank and um he was in, it must have been in his 90s and just a wonderful guy and every like major holiday around that time he'd take me for like a good german meal or, or somewhere else and so you know pastor i probably won't be around at insert next major holiday <clears throat> um he always had like a yeah. a suit coat that, for the color of the church here uh, he would like to wear, um, he had just been a blessing to the church. He had buried his wife earlier. He had buried most of his friends. Uh, and when he went into the hospital for the last time, the nurses came up to me and they were. They said, oh, you're his pastor. They were kind of concerned. Like, was he, was he suicidal? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he, uh, he had apparently joked with them, I have had my casket in storage <laughs> for 20 years or whatever amount of time, he said. And... For, and finally, I'm ready to use it, you know. And um, he was just joking, like, you know, I've been right. in before. But look, I'm fine going home to heaven. Like, I get you guys are going to want to do everything you, you can, you know. Um, but if anything, he was he was making a witness, right? He's bearing testimony to them. And I said, no, that's that's just Frank. Like, he, he has. Like, he and his wife, they've had their plot. They had their – and it wasn't um, – a nihilistic, a depressing, you know, this world is bad. Because if they had sent him home and he had recovered, he would have been taking me to delight with me in a great dinner. Again, yeah. he, he yep. was joyful in the in the nave and in the chant or in the uh, narthex, you know, with others. He would have been wearing whatever the color of the next season of the church year was for, for suit coat. And I that to me has always been helpful of remembering how we live life in the midst of death. and And that's where there is a a freedom that comes from that, you know, uh, rather than be b- being paralyzed by the fact that we're going to die, um, remembering that this life is a gift and then there will be life to come uh, is some, you know, you hear people, even non-Christians who find out they're going to die and they have a certain amount of time left and they say their their life's become so much more meaningful and rich. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how much more for the Christian? That ought to be life every day. Now, we're sinner and saint and so that it's never going to be perfectly that. Right. Um, but in that sense, uh, right, baptism has already given us the end. Baptism is eschatological. Uh, the Lord's Supper is. Preaching at its best is. Um, and so, you know, to be able to say to death, 
you can't kill me. I've already died. Right. I always think that's a pretty uh, yeah. bad. I'm not going to say the the three letter word that comes after that. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Right. I know what you're Way talking about. Way to address about, yeah. it. Um, but to be able to, to, to live freely in that way. Um, we're at about time. Anything anybody wants to throw in one last thought? Then I'll go ahead and wrap up. But uh, hopefully uh, you guys got something out of this. We've been putting a lot of time into thinking about how to do this episode. And, and so hopefully it, it came off all right. Um, but the idea, again, uh, live in the light of the end. Um, and that means to live in freedom because it is to live in Christ who, who has come, who is coming, and who will come again. It, it means ultimately, uh, dare I say, that you can go forth and let the bird fly. Another round, another round, oh, one more round won't get me down.